The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Don't be afraid to be great. You don't get no better than that, man. He's like wide open receiver across midfield. Still going. Missouri. Amazing. First and nine. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my uh, longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, why don't we just jump right into basketball, I guess. Okay. I did watch uh, a few minutes of it. Um, I saw they were winning, but I just... That Brazil kid seems like he knows how to play basketball and that Kobe Brown, but the rest of... I mean, it's just, what hope do we have? I saw that Brent Fredrickson wrote that fucking article, like, Give Conzo a yet another year. I'm like, are yeah. you on fucking crack cocaine? What is wrong with you? I read the article because, you know, I, I get the post-dispatch. And not only did he say he, he should get another year, but he didn't frame it around the $6 million buyout. He basically said there's ways they can get the $6 million if they really want it, but they shouldn't do it. They should give him another year. It takes six years, apparently. It's unfathomable. I, ju- I just, what is wrong with people? What about, what have they seen? What has he done? I mean, does... I just, I'm, I am absolutely baffled. Well, Colin, his accomplishments, they're very easy to frame a certain way if you want to give him as much credibility or, you know, like if you want to believe in him as much and just give him the benefit of the doubt as much as possible, you can say two NCAA tournaments, four years after seven years of droughts. And that sounds like something if you want to believe that. But the reality is, and we all know it, the first year he got in was a really fluke. That was a fluke year. The whole Porter mess, everything. Cassius Robertson kind of fell in his lap. And then we still lost in the first round. The year we made that, was it last year? The yeah, year we, it was 16 wins. Whopping 16 right. wins. Right. Like, and then immediately lost in the first round. So it's like, those two accomplishments that you're hanging your hat on, they're kind of asterisk accomplishments. Or they're barely kind of, you know what I mean? It's like when somebody hits his... 200th well, home run when he should have retired four years ago, but he drags it out. And it's, it's a, sure, it's a record, but it's it not really easier, a record. It would be an easier thing to swallow if he was, if they were competitive. You know what I mean? Like, 
Like, yeah, the seasons have been bad or the accomplishments haven't been what we wanted, but you know, they're competitive. Yeah. Like, no, they're not. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they're, these games are hard to watch. But the, the, here's the thing. We're beating Texas A&M by a good margin at halftime. We beat Alabama. So it's like, are those other teams woefully underperforming when they came, went up against us? Or do we actually have some ability and talent? It just almost never comes together. And when it doesn't, it's disastrous. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I just, you watch these games and I just, uh, I, you know, maybe I should watch this one because they're winning. Yeah. But I'm just to the point now where it's just like, I, you know, until they get a new coach, what's the fucking point? I realized the other day, it's like, I haven't been to a basketball game in a long time. And I know COVID was a big part of that. But I've also, it's never even crossed my mind to go. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I used to have season tickets. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could go to a basketball game as a novelty. Uh, but I have no desire to do it. Well, yeah. Why would you want to frustrate yourself that way? Yeah. Well, and it's always been a little bit of a pain in the ass. I mean, look at the conditions right now. You'd have to go out in the snow, in the freezing temperature. Unless you're a billionaire, you're going to have to walk a mile away from the, or the arena to get into the warm weather. Mm-hmm. It's, it's expensive. It's, you know, well, and, you know, food sucks. And, uh, you know, in your when you're in the seat and the basketball's going on and in when it's not bad, you're like, oh, okay, this is fun. I like doing this. But it has to be a certain level of good just to overcome the barriers of it being really, really nice on your couch in HD. Yeah, I it's just not worth the fucking effort. It's well, a terrible product. And it's been a terrible product for years. It's gonna unless they change it, it's gonna be a terrible product. One of those guys, you know, and I basically was making a Twitter post about saying, you know, don't trust any parody accounts or accounts yeah. that say Conzo shouldn't be fired. Yeah. You know, and then what, a guy responded like, is anybody still saying that though? Yeah, and yeah. then the next day, Ben Fedrickson, here's all the reasons we should keep this fucking complete <laughs> incompetent boob for another year. Yeah. I know. Well, and Colin, I mean, I'm sure that when he beats Alabama, that wins a few people back. And I'm sure if they, Manage to win against Texas A&M, that will win a few people back because there are certain people who just don't want to give up. You know, they don't want to jump ship, but eventually you have to. But it's just a couple of good games will make people second guess themselves, and I'm sure it'll make the Sam Snellings of the world say like, "Well, see, there's nothing potential there, but if you know, if you coagulate the difference between the axial and the radial, then you know, then if you understand basketball like I understand basketball, then you'll see that." really in a good position here to make the NCAA tournament by 2038. Ignore the 35 turnovers a fucking game our team has every fucking game for the last five years. Don't think about that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, (laughs) Conzo Martin will be able to draw Social Security by the time the Sam Snellings and the Ben Fredericksons of the world decide that he's had enough time to turn it around. I, he must be the nicest guy in the world, and they must know him. Because I, I get sick of that fucking he's a nice guy shit. Because I don't <laughs> feel like ninety nine point nine percent of the fucking world who says that knows him at all. No, but I mean he has he has engendered loyalty from these fucking guys. I mean, like he's giving kidneys away, or I don't know what he's doing. Well, and I mean, part of it is that uh, people are predisposed to want him to be a good guy, and so whenever they hear. You know, a media person say that he is a good guy. They're all too willing to believe it. And for most people, and this is true for you know me too. Say, if you send your kid up to him at a restaurant, say, and he signs his napkin, you know, autographs it, and doesn't say, "Get beat it, kid. I'm on my own time here." Then you're going to be, like, "Oh, he's such a nice guy. So I'm a kid's napkin." It's very easy to win people over. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be a prick to to be thought of as a prick. Well, and that's true. And I, I what about the 
I guess what people need to separate is that it has no bearing on how he is as a basketball coach. No, no. And I saw that in the Ben Fredrickson article. It's like, if you want a guy who's going to represent your program the right way, and I'm like, why does anybody want that? I mean, most of the programs that have been successful have not been represented the right way. They've had, I mean, look, murders you know, at Baylor and look at Kansas. I mean, Kansas is a fucking nightmare of immorality, but it's not losing any sleep that they don't have a guy that's not running the program the right way. We want wins. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, I'm i starting to wonder if Drinkwitz is paying off players, you know, as, as successful as he is as a uh, recruiter and yet as nerdy as he is. I'm like, oh, maybe he's paying him off. Well, my thing is, is what has he done? I mean, I, I understand that there's this, like, he's a nice guy. If you want somebody running the program the right way, okay, well, that is a, that's a pretty general statement. How about some specifics? What yeah. exactly is he doing that makes him better than other coaches or makes him a better person, makes him represent the, you know, what exactly are you talking about? <laughs> because you know he shows at press conferences he's you know genuinely affable you know what i mean like but what exactly about him his representation of the university or his nice guyness is irreplaceable yeah you know or i, I don't it all just seems like i want to tell you a story it's a story about a scandal broken relationships gossip rumors money corporate rivalry and a broom a performance enhancing broom my name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Like a bunch of fucking hot air until somebody can back it up with something. The hot air part for me is not even the Conzo being a nice guy thing it's that if the university only invested more in the program and it's sort of like occasionally i've heard him say that the assistant coach pool is under pay or not as competitive as other sec programs or something i'm like but and i've always said like that's it your entire argument for why we're not good enough is because the university hasn't invested in assistant coaches enough because Everywhere else, Ben Fredrickson also said the university should invest more in the basketball program. And I'm like, where? Why don't you define what isn't being invested in? Because I don't see an area where we're woefully deficient, you know, because our, our what we have on the court, the product is woefully deficient. So what area is the university not investing in? Because everything looks pretty good to me. Uniforms look good. The uh, arena looks snazzy. You know, the coach is not you know, a multimillionaire. So, like, what are we not doing here? And why yeah, can't you oh, spell it way, out for a, us? We've got a practice facility. You know what I mean? Like a really we have nice one facility. We have, you know, I mean, what I, 
Well, that's why it's all bunk. You know, that's how you know it's all horseshit. It's like we've made a decision that we liked Conzo Martin and we spent a, you know, literal years propping him up. And rather than admit that maybe he's a complete turd burger as a coach, we're just going to create excuses. No. And it ignores the reality, which is that the university spent over a million dollars completely renovating their locker rooms in the men's basketball arena, which is not that old. You know, there's a new scoreboard in the men's basketball arena because technology it's they're keeping up as far as I can see with my human eyes, but there's supposedly well, some deficiency. Stats, the, yeah, uh, don't and, keep Ken Palmstead's well, handy. How is Robin Pinchton doing it? You know what I mean? Does, isn't she operating all, under all the same parameters? You'd think the constraints would be the same, and I'm sure that if I really want to look at it and say play the devil's advocate on what the Sam Snellings would tell us is that it's a much different money game. You know, the women's basketball doesn't involve this or that, the other, and I'm just like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, okay, but we're paying Conzo Martin, so like, where again isn't the money going? Because well, the reason it's everything else, yeah, there's the same constraints in the men's basketball program and the women's basketball program. Do you think there's not Connecticut's and Tennessee's and these big storied programs that we have to overcome, just like men have to deal with Florida and Kentucky? There are. Well, here's why it's a bunch of horseshit, as far as I can tell, is the the shock of smarts of the world, or name any of the young up and coming coaches you've seen have a lot of success. What was that guy that was at? Well, no, he coaches in the goddamn NBA now, but these guys that they come from tiny little schools with, with limited resources and they go to the NCAA tournament, and they make a big run and they feel competitive teams consistently and they move up to a blue chip program or they end up mm-hmm. in the NBA. They are under constraints for, from their small universities. It turns out they're just really good coaches. And that's why when these people make these, you know, certain people in particular act like it's not the head coach's fault. I'm like, there is not a single part of any basketball team. That is more important than the head coach, especially at the college level. You know what I mean? Like he is the straw that stirs the drink. And if you are going to be okay with mediocre to bad as a basketball coach, which is, you know, honestly, at this point, calling Conzo mediocre is giving him a tremendous amount of credit. He probably doesn't deserve. But let's just say he's mediocre. Mediocre is all you're ever going to be if your coach is mediocre. You know what I mean? Because it's the most important thing. I mean, it's just... Calls all the a, shots. A great literally, coach can make a great player even better, and a great, a terrible coach can make a great player ineffectual. The fact that these fucking douchebags will sit there and talk about how much they know about basketball, and then make these asinine statements, I'm just like, do you know anything about basketball? I'm starting to wonder if you know anything, let alone a lot. There's just so many assumptions in their narrative that are not true. One is that Kim Anderson drove Mizzou back as a program so deep into the wilderness that it it should take us a decade to recover. I don't believe that. I've said this many times. A lot of programs have had bad coaches and they have somehow survived. You know, that's literally at the end of the day, all that happened during the Kim Anderson era was he was a bad coach. It wasn't a stain on the program. It wasn't Baylor murders. It wasn't an FBI investigation in Kansas. It wasn't all kinds of things, you know, these, you know, rape cases, things that come up that damage programs. None of that happened to us. We just had a bad coach for three years. So I completely reject the narrative that it should take 10 years to rebuild this absolutely gutted program. It's simply not true. Again, I mean, I don't, I, I don't have any different ways you can say it. It's just, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and it's not going to make sense. In, in a world where a mid-major program can make this fun, the final four, there's no reason that a University of Missouri, you know, the, the largest state-run institution in, the, in Missouri can't get to that level, or a mid-major can. 
it's just not football where you, you there's like basically seven teams in the country who have a realistic shot at ever winning a national title. You know, it's just not that. Well, and like I said, basketball, one player can be transformative because there's only five people on the the court. But my problem is, is that Conzo's never going to get you a transformative player. You know, por- the Porters were an anomaly. And even if he did get a transformative player in our, our offense, we turn the ball over too often to make him effective. You know what I mean? Like we, we would, we don't run an effective enough offense to utilize a good player. No. And you know, I think the, the bad losses, these blowout losses that we've had, that's acted like you know, the media, local media have acted surprised that these have been happening and haven't been making excuses for them. But the thing that even they would acknowledge going in is that we lost a lot of talent last year and Conzo had to rely on the transfer portal to replace it. And he completely failed in finding replacement talent. And there really isn't any excuse for that because it is his fifth year going into this. By this point, he should have it down. He should know what he's doing and he should fill holes that he knows he needs filled. So the fact that those things didn't get accomplished, it almost doesn't even matter that we're getting blown out night in and night out. But the blowouts are the only thing that's shaking people from their just cult-like haze, finally. I think it's, it says something about Mizzou and that we've been so bad at basketball for so long, we, our expectations are incredibly low. You know, it's, it's why blue-chip football programs fire Mark Richt and hire Kirby Smart. It's like 10 wins in a season wasn't good enough for them. Yeah. And we've just been bad at basketball so long that every time Conzo Martin doesn't take a fucking BM in the middle of the fucking court during the middle of a game, we're just like, Manny, maybe he's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't humiliate our university and our fan base tonight, so maybe we ought to give him another year. Yeah, he didn't do irreparable damage to our identity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, guys, we are setting the bar. I mean, honestly, we're setting a little low. We're setting a little too low. I am and curious. I genuinely like Ben Fredrickson because of the press box super friends, he's the one who seems to be more willing to be a little bit. Well, you know. we've gone over this, Colin. You always like the guys who write the opinion pieces, and you're always mad at the beat writers. The beat. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like he's a uh, he's the only guy that writes articles that you know basically says if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And so to have him write this was like, man, what a disappointing <laughs> fucking hot take. You know? Well, I bet he's he's got people who disagree with him even in his own staff room. You know. Well, and that's why I I hate that we're so hard on Rocky Nation because they they've got a they've got a quite a trove of people writing stuff for them, and I know that all of them are not as I don't know, dumb. I was like, I was like, dumb as yeah. dumb as some of the people you know writing at the very top. Well, and, um, so. I know in the post, especially that Benjamin Hookman, he basically wrote a. It wasn't a specifically here's why Conzo should be fired a piece, but it was as close as you're going to get without outright saying I'm calling for his job. So, mm-hmm. so there are differences of opinion even within one outlet for sure that were published yeah and I, I mean we say all this but uh, we should mention that they are winning right now the game is on as we're recording and mizzou is currently leading 37 to 29 uh, just under 17 minutes left in the second half so i got off to a hot start today despite everything we've said i, I do wonder colin i don't know what your theory is on this and how you know like like we mentioned we beat alabama at home we're at home now leading Texas A&M into the second half. What does this tell you? I mean, is is the talent there? Like, it, it, could a different coach lead them to better results? It's, a, uh, I, I, you know, what I mean, like, well, how are they argument. winning this game? I, like, what's what is it within this team that is capable of losing by more than forty to Arkansas while beating Texas A&M, beating coaching. Alabama? That's what I'm saying. Coaching, 
That's why it's the same coach, both games. Though. Same coach, both games. That's what I'm saying. He's not consistent. He the, to win is an is a, is a fluke. His record is not 500. the The data shows that he loses more than he wins. In discussion, you know, the players are interchangeable. I mean, he doesn't recruit either, so you can't. I don't know. It's just it's, he's not a good coach. He doesn't inspire anything to team. His teams don't play fundamentally well. None of his teams are his kids are overly talented. I mean, it's just it is what it is. And like I said, to this point, calling him mediocre is probably, for me, it's a bridge too far. But I mean, I'll, to just to sort of as an olive branch to those that have, have stuck with him and are sort of finally making the hop to, you're right, he's not very good. I'll say he's just mediocre. He's but fine. The fact is, is he, he's fine. He's fine. No, fine. he's not even fine. That's, I'm not going to say he's fine. He's not fine. Not at all. He's, he's not fine. fine? No. To say that he was fine would be to say that I was somewhat happy with the product. And I'm not. What Drinkowitz has done so far. It's fine. Fine. I'm fine with it. It's fine. You're fine. Yeah, but not Quanzo. There's nothing fine about this. It's been an unmitigated disaster. Not fine. It continues to be not fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching the lead kind of dr- slowly shrink away. They're holding about a five, seven point lead currently, but it does make you wonder because it's like <sighs> Texas A&M 14 and two. I know they're on the road here, but mm, they're probably going to figure it out. You know, we're going to figure it out. Now, anybody listening to this is going to know how this game ends. But it started, I mean, it started out, Missouri was leading, I think, 12 to nothing. And we never get off to starts like that. Usually, we start like shit. So, uh, that had to have helped. <laughs> Texas A&M was shooting like a Missouri team. Well, on to football, Brennan. Yeah, I mean, let's this, go uh, on to football. We talk about basketball for very much longer. I'm going to get diarrhea. <laughs> I forgot that your uh, digestive habits were heavily influenced by how Mizzou basketball was performing. We should change the yeah, subject. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I've had diarrhea for five years. <laughs> At least. Okay, well, there is news to report, Colin. That one of the topics this offseason, and this young offseason, it's only January, has been the turnover within Coach Drinkwitz's coaching staff. And we just picked up a new guy in the form of Jacob Peeler, who is joining Mizzou's offensive staff, but he hasn't taken, they haven't named what the position is going to be. And Drinkwitz has allowed a certain number of uh, assistant coaches. And I feel like their job titles are almost interchangeable. What they really do is recruit all the other stuff, making sure that they hop through the proper cones and everything in practice. That's fine. But their real job is can you bring new blood to this campus? Yeah, I mean, it's all that matters. Jacob Peeler, he's from Texas State. And so, Anyway, he is, uh, he's been at Cal and Ole Miss before joining Missouri, and he's a wide receivers coach, and obviously we're going to want a high-quality wide receivers coach for Luther Burden coming in. And uh, I'm sure Jacob Peeler is licking his chops to, have, to add you know, Burden to the list of people he's coached. He's, you know, he's famous for having coached D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown, so uh, I'm sure he's eager to add another NFLer to the list. I don't. I don't know. I. I think maybe people are feel a little bit strange about the turnover in the coaching staff because if they've been paying attention long enough to have, remember Pinkles, the coach, you know, his staff, to our frustration, sometimes didn't change, you know, <laughs> nearly often enough. And mm-hmm. like, he, like he, his coaches stayed forever. And then you got Odom who was ran through coaches, and you got now you got Drinkwitz who runs through coaches. I, I do feel like that probably is more the norm than the, the Pinkle days where guys stayed for decades. 
Oh, sure. And especially when the coaches that you're losing are taking good jobs elsewhere. If they're making lateral moves or if they're, if they're going out of coaching altogether, then you kind of got to wonder. But if you're getting guys that are leaving for good jobs at other programs, that is par for the course. I mean, ultimately, all these guys want to be head coaches somewhere. So they're going to take opportunities when they're given. Um, I don't know what to make of it either. It's, you know, I don't know that anybody has a good sense of what the inside of a Eli Drinkwitz locker room is like yet because there's not enough guys that have matriculated through an Eli Drinkwitz Missouri program to sort of talk outside of school and the media has never had less access and you get hear messages you know from guys like Daniel Parker Jr which you have to take with him a huge grain of salt because you know what kind of mouth he turned out to be um, so you know what it's really like to be working for or coaching with or being part of an Eli Drinkwitz program? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, we see his persona with the media, which is, I think, heavily cultivated, especially with the um, the big news for some reason about him <laughs> coming in a dump truck or, you know, these big uh, heavy equipment. I think the story there that really wasn't reported was it was Martin Rucker's construction company and their truck. And here is Drinkwitz riding in this truck by a Mizzou football alum who's now a successful business owner within the community. That's the real story, not dump truck brings coach. Yeah. I mean, he's savvy about that stuff. But what is it like inside the locker room? I don't know. Well, especially considering, like, what I'd like to know is the, you know, the Power Mizzou reported that it was about the kid he was recruiting. His name was like Dump Truck. Big Rig. Big Rig. Big rig. Yeah. I think like uh, Gabe Big Rig DeArmon reported that. <laughs> yeah. And then his dad literally tweets out right. like, he's never been called that in his life. And I like the, rig, the sound of it. Yeah. A big Rig uh, said, Big Rig's dad said he's never been called Big Rig. So, but. And I saw Power Mizzou was like, oh, our bad, you know, I guess we got our sources wrong, which I don't know. They didn't seem to have that same leniency for Bleacher Report earlier in the week. No, 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 everybody. Yeah. Well, it's uh, that blade doesn't apparently cut both ways. You know what I mean? <laughs> guess not. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Get, catch you on the yeah. next one. Yeah. I, maybe we should bring that up, but I know we just got done talking about basketball, but they're, uh, yeah, if you did. guys didn't know, and I'm sure you did if you're paying any attention to Mizzou, uh, yeah. that Bleacher Report. Uh, had a guy report that Conzo Martin had been fired. And it came and, from a uh, tweet from a pretty obvious parody account. I think you didn't have to read too yeah. far into the guy's account. Mm-hmm. So obviously, no, he didn't get two sources. And obviously, yes, his source was an anonymous parody account from Twitter. So bad reporting by guy on Bleacher Report. But, you know, whatever. People, media outlets get duped all the time. Yeah, I think everybody in Mizzou land, they meet like, what? And uh, we're, we're sort of bleep, you know, 98% of us were going like awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find out um, that it's all just a load of bunk. Yeah. I mean, I think we were all eager to believe it. You know, I understand that yeah. desire to believe it. Yeah. But uh, if we've learned anything in the last few years, wanting something to be a fact doesn't make it a fact. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I wished it was a fact. Yeah. But uh, the traditional media guys were very hard on Bleacher Report for that. So I just think. Mm-hmm. Well, they just don't like Bleacher Report because they're aggregating news. Yeah. Well, they just take everybody else's stuff and then, yeah. you know, belch it out. Basically, belch it out, represent it. And so I could understand if I was the person con- creating the content, <laughs> some place was using my content to line their own pockets. I can understand their. But the truth is, is the guy made a mistake and he sucks. And, uh, but all the calls for me fired or, yeah. Nobody probably feels worse about it than the guy who did, fell for the fucking parody account. <laughs> I think Mizzou fans who learned that Conzo Martin was still the head coach, they may be feeling worse. Yeah. Well, they uh, 
they may want his job. Like you motherfucker, you 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 basically turned yesterday into Christmas morning, and now it's all <laughs> went to shit. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about football coaching turnover or something. I don't know. Something like that stuff. <laughs> Talk yeah. about stuff. Stuff's been happening. Um, Drinkwitz, I mentioned briefly the big rig thing. Um, it, I don't know. It did make a splash in social media circles and it, within media circles. Um, Drinkwitz showing up at, I think it was Lee Summit High School in the big heavy construction equipment. And I do think this is an area where Drinkwitz turns a lot of heads, especially 17, 18-year-old heads. He knows how to make a splash. And I saw like some national outlet Maybe it was Barstool or something had put up a little tweet about Drinkwitz doing this. And you see all these other SEC schools taking huge dumps on Drinkwitz. I hate this guy. He's such a tool. I'm glad he's not our coach or whatever. And I'm like, there's something special about the way he gets under other schools' skin. Because you know he they'd love this crap. They'd eat it right up if he were their coach. Oh, yeah. If, the thing, if things go the way we want them to, Brennan, he will be one of their coaches. <laughs> you know, yeah, honestly. And that, and, and honest to God, Mizzou fans should want it because if if Drinkowitz ends up at LSU, Auburn, Alabama, you know, one of the, Georgia, one of these schools, that means some really, really good things have happened at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. And so, and and I bet, you, and if and if those things happen, and they'll be happy to have him, you know. But yeah, that's that's what should be everybody's prayer. Should, you know, as, as Mizzou fans should pray for every night that he Drinkowitz achieves at such a level that these blue chip programs poach him. I think that Barry Odom's saga should encourage coaches around the nation who are on the up and up and who are ambitious and want an SEC head coaching job. They should all look at what happened to Barry Odom and smile from ear to ear and say, I want to be the head coach at Mizzou because it shows that the SEC is so insular that if you can somehow break into their tight little bubble and even suck at a place like Mizzou, which is not even accepted within the NCC, but is technically an SEC school, then when you fail, if you fail, you will still land a coordinator position within the SEC, a high-ranking coaching position within the SEC, because you're part of the brethren now, you know? And uh, so I think it should be inviting to people. Look at Josh Heupel. Look at, you know, if you coach in the SEC, other SEC schools want you, and it almost doesn't matter how you performed as a coach. Yeah. You've sort of been vetted. You've been led into the fraternity. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, once you know, it's who you know. But you're right. If you want one of the top jobs, if you want one of the big guy jobs, you're going to have to have been successful. And I think being successful at a school like Missouri does make you a good candidate for one of those roles because people view that as an extra Herculean task as opposed to riding the ship at A&M, you know? Well, I mean, and as much as winning, uh, and I guess one has a lot to do with the other, but as much as winning, he's recruiting already. Yeah. So that's already going to turn some heads. Yeah. And then if he starts putting those players into position to win, uh, then it's really going to turn some heads. But the, his recruiting already has guaranteed him a job on any staff in the SEC, I would imagine. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that within coaching circles, he is probably well-regarded currently, but uh, he's going to have to turn it into some Ws. He's had two, basically 500 years, essentially, and... Given the state of the program he was in, I think everybody with any sense and reasonable ability would say that uh, he needs a few years to get things stabilized and to get his own guys in. And the recruiting has made everybody confident that he's going in that right direction. So, And it's been two super weird years. He happened to come in the middle of a pandemic. So 
I, you know, I don't even think we're giving him a long leash. I think everybody deserves at least three, four years at the head coaching realm. And we gave that to a guy like Conzo Martin. We gave it to Barry Odom. And I think especially in five years of, of Conzo, if he does get fired, nobody can say that Mizzou pulled the trigger too early, you know. And I don't think anybody should say that about Barry Odom when that happened because four years was enough. We saw what we got, and we know what we're getting. Drinkwitz is has already injected way more excitement about football than Barry Odom did in all four years. Yeah. You know, Colin, um, I don't think we've recorded since the Natty, have we? No, I guess we ought to go around the horn. Yeah, let's go around the horn with the SEC. We we break our bread at Waffle House, our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. Colin, would you fire up the old Paul Feinbot? Uh-huh. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. Oh boy, we got some bad news to uh, tell the fine bot, Colin. Yep, he's not going to like it. Not sure about that. Okay, Colin, let's get right to it. Georgia and Alabama faced off in Indianapolis on Monday. And of course, by now everybody knows Georgia won the game 33 to 18. No, no. Yes. It's, it happened, yes. Paul. It happened. No, not sure about that. No. Yeah, Paul, Paul, it happened. In fact, Kirby Smart, one of Nick Saban's former assistants. No. This used to never happen. No. Won the game. and uh, No. No. Nick Saban's now, he's he lost to two of them in the same year, A&M and Georgia. No. Nick Saban. No. Nick Saban. Yeah, I know, Paul. Nick Paul, Saban. it's all right. No. I think we all kind of knew this was going to happen, Colin. I, uh, reboot. Reboot. I, yeah, you're probably buying parts when you saw the score yep. to this game. You knew Feinbot was going to be out of it. Yeah, that's the most disappointing part. Is it's just a lot of work for me to get him back up and running after him after an Alabama loss like this. Your garage smelled like smoke. I mean, yep. it, was, yep. uh, it was bad. Um, a lot of transistors busted. Whatever those are, yeah, all those Tesla coils, where they call those things. Well, you know, Colin, you're the ro- you're the robotics expert, not me. <laughs> I'm the engineer, right? That's right. You're the guy who made this robot, so you know what transistors and Tesla coils are, and why they're integral to a robotics robot's <laughs> process. You got it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we we both kind of predict Georgia. I think you maybe were a little bit more confident in your prediction than I was, but we ultimately got to the same place. I don't know. What did you feel like after you watched this game? I mean, what was your ultimate takeaway? My ultimate takeaway when watching this game was like, Jesus, Jones, look at the talent. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Both both sides. Oh, my gosh. You know, Georgia threw that uh, bomb. Alabama had jumped off sides and they got they had a free play, so they threw it up. And the kid who number one, I cannot remember his name, saved my life. Somebody caught it. He was blanketed by a cornerback, and it's like just threw it up to his freshman. And his freshman's so talented, and everybody's so fast, and everybody's so strong. And just like man, you know, you just feel like watching that game just made me realize like it is just going to take a mountain of talent to compete with those guys because that's what they have. They just have mountains of talent. Everybody on the field is just ridiculously fast, ridiculously strong at every position. And it just takes a level of recruiting to compete. Uh, and that's why ultimately, God bless Cincinnati, you know, they had a great season and they deserve a lot of credit. But there's, who, how can anyone compete with that? 
unless they have that level of talent. Well, nobody can. I mean, Michigan showed that as good as their season was, they were nothing compared to Georgia. I mean, nothing. And the only people who have been able to compete with Georgia in any way were Alabama, and even Alabama struggled. And then with all that talent, Colin, one of the things I noticed, you know, in the first half of that game, it was a very low-scoring sort of uh, defensive battle, and a lot of people were basically saying, this is a boring game. I'm tuning out. This is Why is this game so boring? And I think a lot of those people were Big Ten fans. But I didn't feel that way. I mean, Brian Goers was texting me. He was bored. And I was like, I'm enjoying myself. I mean, I'm watching these defenses just swallow people whole and just these huge men at the peak of their abilities. And it was fun for me to see these teams trying desperately to score and just not being able to. I liked watching the defensive battle. And, of course, it opened up in the second half and everybody got gets more excited when offense is flying. So – I don't know. I enjoyed it. And I, like you, I was just mesmerized by the sheer skill from both teams. They're just super talented and super well coached. Just really, really, really good football teams. I mean, it's just, it's honestly a little bit depressing and it makes you realize how far away you are. Yeah, I know it does. All right, Colin, I do want to break in and report that uh, they're showing the halftime performance by the kid who had to putt a golf ball across the basketball court into the burger smokehouse little piece of plywood with a little mouse hole cut in it accomplished mm-hmm. the task and so i don't know exactly when he wins but i assume it's a lifetime of bacon and uh we're going to report important news like that anytime somebody wins bacon it needs sure. to be broadcast out to the world what's the mizzou game score though that's the important uh if they're not showing it currently last i saw Mizzou is holding on to the lead. They're up by six. There's under 10 minutes to play 51, 51 to 48. Colin, it's a three-point game now. There's 847 left to play. Oof. It's going to be tight. I hope they pull it out. Yeah. Hey, Colin, before we wrap up the uh, Natty talk, I was going to tell you, were you at all surprised to see how well Nick Saban took it? You know, when he got interviewed after the game, he almost seemed happy for Kirby Smart and very not sort of – I don't know. Do you think he was screaming and calling for blood within the locker room? Or what do you think? (laughs) How did you feel about Nick Saban being cool with losing? Oh, Nick Saban probably had ricin on his hand when he shook his hand after the game. I was there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't buy it for a second. Yeah. Well, it was, it's different than the, than the Nick Saban reactions we've seen of old, but uh, anyway, so the, at the national championship stays within the sec, obviously. And Georgia has won it. Florida, Georgia has won it. Alabama's won it. LSU has won it. I'm thinking of SEC teams of late who have won a natty. Am I leaving anybody off the list? I feel like there's another. It depends on how far you want to go back. I guess that's true. You know, Auburn's obviously got it. But anyway, within the last 10 years, it's been dominated by SEC teams. And it's getting to the point now where it's just the SEC team is going to win it. And then who wants to be runner up for next best? You know, and who wants to have shown that they could have been fourth or fifth best team in the SEC? There you go, Michigan. I guess that's what you win. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I do think there's a huge talent gap between Georgia, Alabama, and most of the programs. Right I think now. the Bulls bore that out. I mean, SEC was like 0-5 to start bowl season. And people like to dance on the grave of the SEC. But I was like, no. I mean, just the bottom half of the SEC maybe isn't. It's not as deep as the SEC wants to pretend it is. But at the very top, there's nobody higher. Yeah. And those teams, I know, the, the bowl stuff – doesn't worry me too much, um, honestly, because I do think, along with the SEC, believing that they're better than everyone else, is there is a they do take a you know sort of a nonchalant attitude into these bowl games um, because they're you know it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, everybody talks about the Armed Forces Bowl as 
an afterthought. Like, I don't even think any Mizzou fans were excited about the Armed Forces Bowl, and I don't think they were the only SEC team that felt that way about the bowl they were going to. Well, and especially if you think about programs like Florida, you know, who has had, you know, won the SEC East last year and played for the, the uh, SEC championship and has won national championships within living memory and all this stuff. You know, it's going to be hard for them to get up for a Gasparilla the, uh, Bowl. Yeah, or the, you know, home wrecker latex dildo bowl. Was there one of those? If there's not, there should be. I would advise. I'm sure the people who make the home record probably listen to this show. And man, if you really want to get your name out there, sponsor a bowl game. I mean, imagine yeah. the swag bag. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, latex may not be the best material. There are people that are allergic to that. Let's go with silicone. Well, I mean, if you go to the home records website, and I do often, I can tell you with a lot of assurance that there's any material you're interested in, Colin, including. Very, very well sanded and very, very highly polished wood. Oh, wow. People have different preferences. Sure. And they're dildos. So I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I consider myself somewhat of a dildo man, Colin. You're an aficionado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was the national championship. That's the national championship. That's around the horn. <laughs> Okay, Colin, it's over. Finally, we were watching the game as we were recording. Mizzou loses 67-64 to at home. Texas A&M goes to 15-2. and Missouri now at 7-9, and 1-3 in conference. This looked like a game we were going to win, and we let it get away. Oh, we frittered it away. Like that, There's a, one of those last possessions where they just they got like, literally got three rebounds. They took one terrible shot. It banged, clanged off the fucking iron. Colby Brown comes with it. Throws up another terrible shot, then rebounds. It throws up another terrible shot. It's blocked. I mean, it's just. Uh. Well, and then Colin, before AM even took the lead, five minutes left to go. Kobe Brown, by far our best player on the team, just dribbles off his fucking foot, gives AM the ball. Then Missouri gets the ball back, throws it out of bounds, does everything they can <laughs> to help Texas AM take the lead. Missouri led throughout this game until under the five minute mark and then basically gave it away to Texas AM. And that is a sign of a poorly coached basketball team. Ta da. Well, it's- it's the, mo- the most damning statistic that Conzo has, I think, is that the turnovers. I mean, every year, every team, every game, we are just fucking sloppy turnover machine. And it's I don't I don't know why Ben Fredrickson or Sam Stanley or anybody else thinks that's suddenly going to change. The thing that's most damning to me is that what we're basically told, look, you're going to have the team that will not be able to shoot the ball. I don't know why that's required, but it is part of the program. You're, mm-hmm. So you're not going to have a team that can shoot. You're not going to have a team that's big enough. You're going to always be lacking a tall man, a big man. You're never going to have a point guard, but you're going to have ferocious defense. And then <laughs> that just never happens either. You know what I mean? The thing that we're yeah. supposed to be good at, the thing that's supposed to keep us in ball games, we don't do that. But all the parts that are shitty that were promised to us to be shitty for some reason are, I mean, he lives up to the hype. We can't shoot. I mean, we cannot shoot. <laughs> we live up to the hype. We can't shoot. That's that Mizzou basketball in a nutshell, folks. Yeah. Watching the goal. Catch the hype. <laughs> I mean, clanging them off the back of the rim, the front of the rim, any part of the rim. They're very creative. But, like, I don't understand how you specifically recruit guys who cannot shoot. Like, we do not have any proven shooters. I think you just, like, I can't recruit. And so I'll just be, like, not recruiting people that can't shoot. It's, like, part of a plan. It seems to be part of the plan. We've been promised since day That's one. That's what he's telling you. Like, he's, like, 
he just looks at his, he's like, man, I didn't recruit anybody can shoot the fucking ball. I mean, even a little bit. He's like, I better <laughs> tell everybody it was a part of a plan. That's right. Yeah. No one on this team can shoot and you're going to love what you see. <laughs> yeah. Get excited, Tiger fans. Get excited. <laughs> Catch the fever. All right, Colin. I mean, so, you know, we're seven and nine. Uh, we put up a, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, we put up a valiant effort, I guess, but we did a lot of self-imposed errors, including the turnovers yeah. mentioned, to ultimately lose to a much better team. I'm going to say this, Bryn. The, the coach for Texas a and I've never seen a man sweat this much who wasn't on cocaine. <laughs> well, so what I'm makes you think? Texas yeah. a coach is on cocaine. Buzz Williams' outfit is, it's hard to describe. I mean, the tie, the design on the tie, it's, maybe it's some sort of Paisley, but I think he went to a, uh, a men's haberdashery and said, do you have anything that looks like an oil slick, like a Valdez oil spill in yeah. the bearing straight? That's what the design mm-hmm. I'd like. And then I'd also like a luminescent vest. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I want to look like I sell ecstasy to high rollers in a casino. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm thinking fish scales. Do you have anything that just gives off the vibe of fish scales? <laughs> Good Lord. He looks like he smells like cocaine. And lots of cologne, like too much cologne. Oh, God, too much. Way too much cologne. And he's in a like. locker room a lot, you know, and you, so he probably, and he's, <laughs> you know, he's kind of got the big dad nose, you know, he probably doesn't have the best sense of smell. So he doubles down on the cologne, especially when mm-hmm. he starts to feel his pits are getting a little bit clammy more cologne he's a guy who fails way too confident in a room full of 23 year old girls <laughs> that's right he, he's the guy who thinks he's got a shot you know that one yeah, of them might yeah. dig it anyway i think we've so we've covered mizzou basketball that's right that's I, mean, I think that pretty much covered it right there right that's uh that'll handle that yeah buzz williams is overdoing it yeah he, he's, dri- he's, he's might may or may not be a cocaine and he probably drives a corvette yeah, he owns one for sure. Yeah, there's a Corvette there somewhere. At least his hair hasn't still has enough color. He hasn't gone to dye it some ridiculous color that ends up just looking orange. Yeah, the weird rich old man orange is not gone to <laughs> yeah. Buzz Williams yet. All right, Colin, should we wrap it up here? Yep, M I Z Z O U. People have different preferences. Sure. And they're dildos. <laughs>